Today, we're going to dive into six states that might be legalizing in the upcoming ballots in the midterms in November, as well as ask which states might be the best to do business in. We'll dive in and find out where investors might be investing since hemp farmers to the tune of 53% are off the bandwagon. They said it's not profitable. Performance isn't there. We're out. So what would it cost to get in? We'll check out some prices to get in as a retailer or a producer or a processor and find out what would happen if we set prices to the black market level. All of that, including some trends coming up that uh, involve CBN and CBG, all of that coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. So for the regulated marketplace, we have 19 states, and including um, plus, rather, D.C. and Guam. So we might have six additional states on top of that, being South Dakota, Arkansas, Maryland, Missouri, North Dakota, and Oklahoma. They all have ballot initiatives up for vote mid uh, midterm elections. And if they pass, then half the country is going to have a legalized adult recreational use at the state level by the end of the year. Quickly breaking those states down, South Dakota would be similar to D.C. where it wouldn't create a regulated marketplace, but would legalize personal possession and home cultivation. Arkansas is already a medical state. They've got 192,000 signatures to go to ballot in November for recreation, but state commissioners are concerned about THC. Uh, they're worried about psychosis and edibles and all of those horror stories that uh that they love throwing out in the media. Maryland would have an amendment, and if it passes, would allow 21 and older to legally possess beginning in July and would also allow for distribution, regulation, and taxation. Missouri's hoping to amend ban uh, laws that currently ban possession, consumption, delivery, and manufacturing of cannabis. So home growers might be able to get a registration card after November if this passes, and uh, all of those other things would be allowed with the 6% tax. North Dakota would allow 21 and older to possess up to one ounce. However, they would not allow for consumption. So that's prohibited. And finally, Oklahoma, which has by far the most licenses out of any state, they would, um, they would enact a 15% excise tax for recreational sales if that were to pass. And uh, that would cause a whole lot of consolidation. You're looking at probably four or 5,000 licensees going out of business with that, with that move, which isn't a bad thing. It's way too bloated. But when it does happen, it's, it's going to create a, a lot of issues. So out of those half dozen states, let's take a look and see if any of these overlap in terms of which states are the best to do business in. Uh, this is according to um, America's Best States, a study from CNBC that measured 88 factors across 10 broad categories. Here's a breakdown of those uh, 10 categories, uh, workforce, infrastructure, cost of doing business, energy. Coming in first place is North Dakota. Coming in in 10th is Georgia. Um, Washington State is number two on that list. People's political feelings caused a lot of migration, probably more than, I don't know, maybe the last hundred years. Uh, that alongside with interest rates, inflation, that's creating a sense of cautiousness among some business people, leading to lower rates of business applications. And so not as many people are applying for new business, but the majority are definitely in the South, uh, almost 200,000 applications. 
the West has uh, almost a hundred thousand and then uh, the Northeast at 63 Midwest at 70,000. Those are new business applications. Uh, and so again, the South definitely dominating that region. Let's see where capital is flowing with the Viridian Capital Advisors uh, checkup with the graph they have on equity capital raises in the cannabis by quarter and sector from 2019 to the present. And that maroon line represents the YOLO ETF, the exchange traded fund that they uh, that Viridian Capital Advisors put in here as an indicator of cannabis equity prices. So looking at a steep decline in equity capital raises year to date compared to last year, this graph is clarifying that comparison um, as a bit misleading. So looking at equity financing in the first quarter of this year and second quarter, not as low as it was at the depths of the capital crunch of 2020. That's when COVID hit. Everybody was was off to the sidelines. Cultivation and retail historically getting the most money. Uh, that's accounting for only 14 million, 1.6% year-to-date raised. That trend might continue for a couple of reasons. One, MSOs have been able to use equity and acquisitions. That's the primary need for new capital. So they don't have to have cash. They're just using their own stock. So you can, um, you can, you can move a lot faster doing that. Another reason is that tier one multi-state operators have a strong cash position. And so they're expected to have a lot of free cash flow and eliminating any need to issue equity in a down market. And then finally, there's a greater availability, better pricing of debt. I think there's a lot of FOMO and people are willing to take equity debt or anything they can in order to kind of get in because they're seeing this momentum, especially with Biden kind of announcing that he was going to um, look at rescheduling, which means nothing. But looking at the investment and as well as mergers and acquisitions, um, Mostly composed of SPACs, the Specialty Acquisition Corps. So that's fallen way out of favor. They made up almost 10% year to date compared to 16% last year. And it'll be even lower as we move forward because people just aren't really interested in, in that de-SPAC process. Not enough transparency or interest in the cannabis space uh, at all. The real estate sector, probably the strongest that I've seen, um, composed of cannabis lenders, sales leaseback providers like IIPR, uh, they've been a beneficiary of that sector rotation in 2020. So they've been riding that uh, for greater use of debt capital, accounting for 47% of the equity issuances year to date compared to only 7% last year. And so um, legalization might remain elusive stock prices are going to have a tough time rebounding in the overall market downturn. So um, the sector will continue or should continue to benefit since they've already been beaten up. Um, any margin, though, has to be sucked out first. Right? So when there's the next crash happens, um, margin that needs to be pulled out, everything will drop until that happens. Just a little caveat there. Um, moving on to software media companies, they've taken a bigger piece of the financing accounting for 22% year to date versus 7% last year. And that's probably going to continue. Um, it's, there's a lot of need for software, uh, and then media for some reason, um, just kind of comes in, in waves. So there's several, like three, maybe four media companies that were acquired in December of 2021. Um, and that probably was a, a big piece of that pie for whatever reason, they kind of just come in, comes in waves. And then finally, agriculture technology down year to date, but that probably will see a resurgence uh, mentioned, um, or will mention again that people are getting out of, of hemp. So maybe we'll, um, 
we'll touch on that here. So after the farm bill legalized hemp in 2018, fast forward four years later, and you're seeing some seasoned farmers and venture capitalists struggling with the saturated market and oversold expectations on both ends of the industry. So this year, licensed hemp acreage fell another 53%. A lot of people were expecting profits, but you can see from the price, uh, wholesale price of CBD per kilo, it was $18,000 in 2018, and now you can get it for a couple hundred bucks. And the same thing you're kind of seeing with the more minor or rare cannabinoids like CBG, CBL, CBN, um, synthetic, man-made, whatever, um, are a lot more expensive. They will come down in price eventually. Uh, but when you remove a lot of the supply and half, more than half the market is gone, it it's going to impact the market a little bit. Prices will fluctuate to kind of um, uh, equalize that uh, that effect. In addition to profit, there was also underwhelming performance. There was a lot of issues with the weather, droughts, the cost of maintaining. People just thought it was a weed and it was going to grow. They had no idea what they were doing. Even those that did uh, had misplaced expectations on strategic planning for the hemp industry, including drying. They waited until they they cut the crop and then they were looking for drying options. Um, so there's a lot of, of uh, miscalculations in the industry, um, most of which were the lack of the insane profit that they thought they were going to make and how easy it was, it was supposed to be. Swiss pharmacies started selling cannabis back in September to people 18 and over to register and participate. Pharmacies are going to charge prices that are set on the black market. I find that very interesting. They're not trying to mess around with prices and say, you know, when I see pitch decks in Philadelphia or New York for $7,000 a pound for flour, for cannabis, I'm like, you're out of your mind. 2,500 tops after, you know, two years. Of course, you can get whatever you want initially, and then everything comes down after that. So let's take a look at a couple of options. If you wanted to get into the industry, how much would it cost? Uh, if you wanted a retail store in Seattle, you're looking at 2.5 million. That's actually not bad. I'm guessing that's probably only the license um, and it's not an actual open store. Um, I've seen licenses go for about $150,000 if you want to grow. Remember, Washington is not vertically integrated, meaning that retail is separate from production and growing. So you can, uh, you can grow. Uh, which is to produce, or you can manufacture, which is to make a product like edibles, for example, uh, or you can um, sell. So if you're going to have a retail license, can't have the other two, um, but you can pick and choose and have one of three, or you can have the production and the manufacturing. Either way, it's going to cost you a pretty penny. Dispensaries are the most because they can increase prices by 3x. And so they're able to really dominate what the industry does. So I've seen uh, ounces go for $30 retail, meaning they paid less than $10 for that ounce at the wholesale level. So if you think you're getting in this game to make some money, just realize it's a commodity and a race to the bottom in terms of pricing. Here's a tier three production processing license. It's $250. That sounds... Um, like there's a an asterisk next to there like he like this individual wants something equity or whatever else like they'll give it to you for nothing but you owe him dividends or something i'm not gonna click now let's click on let's find out <laughs> see what happens so they're selling a tier three which is the largest one ten thousand square feet or over selling 100 percent ownership no violations requires a location Oh, 250,000. Oh. <laughs> Not 250 dollars. Okay. 
Fair enough. Uh, looking at some other options, if you want a retail store in Washington, 4.2 million. Love the price on that. Three stores, 6.5. Um, top California Cannabis Group is headed to New York. They want 250. Not really sure. So if you are in a state that goes legal and you do find a state that is decent at doing business and you find some capital and you figure out where to sell, what to do, uh, you need some products. So let's take a look at some top summer trends in cannabis and find out uh, exactly what people are buying and what's hot, what's not. So over the summer, we saw a 30% increase in daily sales. Not too shabby. A lot of people wanted to get out and about, apparently. Plus, 4th of July is going to be a bigger sales day than 420, especially with all of the, the sales days that are happening. There's three days a week in Seattle that are 30% off. So I don't understand why anybody would want to go out on 420 and stay in lines unless there was uh, a limited drop, an exclusive sale, a bigger deal, whatever. Otherwise, um, it's totally normalized, which I think is is, is a good thing. Uh, beverages, I think we're doing pretty well, even though percentage-wise, it's only 1% or 2% of total sales. But I think the popularity is going to increase, especially as prices come down. Um, but we did see a lot of beverage brands um, uh, increasing sales by about like 25% on an individual level. A lot of barbecues over the summer, uh, but when you look at all of the legalization states, um, we could see data that the um, DUIs decrease, the alcohol decreases, cannabis has already taken over uh, sales tax in Washington state for alcohol. So cannabis uh, sales tax is, is more than alcohol sales tax. And I think uh, cannabis will overtake alcohol, um, you know, eventually. I, I think there's a huge trend. I'm not just saying that because I'm in a little bubble here, but I just see that every state that has uh, regulation, there's an increase in cannabis use, decrease in uh, alcohol use, decrease in DUIs. So, I mean, it leaves the question, will cannabis overtake alcohol? I think um, a lot of people that are hanging out with friends uh, don't want um, hangovers. They want uh, healthier uh, options to relax. Um, same, same lifestyle, but, um, just something that's better. So there may be a time when there's, um, cannabis flavored beer, or there's already wine. Um, so that may be a, a trend, but what we're seeing immediately is CBD, CBN and CBG sales increase rapidly. Uh, CBD sales, I mentioned are slowing down. People are pulling that off the market, but CBD, um, and CBG, I think it's great. Uh, I use CBG every day in my coffee for an anti-inflammatory for my shoulder. I think CBD is great for anxiety, um, public speaking, um, and pain. CBN um, is great for a lot of those same issues, uh, but it makes some people kind of sleepy. Um, so maybe you take that at night, but all of these uh, are opportunities to throw into your mix, um, either personally, or if you're looking at business opportunities in Q1 of 2022 alone, there was 70% more products that contained CBN that there were in Q1 of last year. And that's across California, Colorado, Illinois, Massachusetts, Michigan, and Nevada, and Oregon, more than twice as many products contained CBG than there were last year in those markets. 
seems pretty obvious that minor cannabinoids are having a huge potential to generate sales growth, especially as consumer knowledge continues to expand and that number of products containing CBN, CBG grows. But people are looking for healthier alternatives. Like I mentioned, these gummies uh, are going to be made out of recycled wind turbine blades. So researchers are designing composite resin for blades that can be broken down to make new products, including sweets. So they're talking about making wind turbine blades recycled into gummy bears. Now, I don't know who thought that these glass fibers are a plant derivative polymer and okay to consume, but I'm not eating it. You know, people are worried that cannabis is in their Halloween candy. Well, what about wind turbines? Is that in your candy? And to wrap this up, we're going to look at consumer insights and kind of what they're thinking, what they want, what they're looking at as kind of the legal market in the U.S. is in a transition phase as that hockey stick growth in the industry was pretty much leveled off after the uh, COVID uh, craziness ended and saw some um, big market declines. Uh, Nevada got hammered. Uh, we've gone into all of that stuff. But we're looking at almost 80% of adults at this point think that they've bought in to consuming cannabis and that the shares are, are um, that those individuals are not interested in um, the majority of Americans are not interested in continuing the war on drugs. They're not interested in um, they don't really don't care about legalizing it. They don't care to keep it illegal either. And so we're seeing fifty uh, percent uh, that were fifty percent of legal adults have tried cannabis in the last six months that were in legal states. That's, that's quite a bit. Still a lot of people who didn't like it. 55% said they didn't like the way it made them feel. Some said that it um, claimed to have ceased consumption because it doesn't fit with their lifestyle um, or that they would consider, they would consider it if it was recommended by a doctor. Um, but when they tried it, it made them feel ill um, or when they were ill, it made them feel better. <laughs> depends on who you ask. Um but we are seeing definitely lower percentages. So you're going to see microdose. Uh, when I was in Chicago, I did a pot shop crawl in Chicago with Tom Howard. And it was five milligrams per can, $28 for four cans, 20 milligrams total. That's not for me. Um, but I am seeing a, a, a demand for lower microdosing options. Products that people like, flour still dominant, followed by um, gummies. Um, this, this, this BDS report is saying topicals are the third most popular. I'm going to totally disagree with that and say topicals are not <laughs> that vape would be, and then pre-rolls. Um, so there's no like edible on here. It's just gummies. So yeah, interesting. I guess we'll just kind of skip that. <laughs> um, so as inflation is kind of taking hold, 2022 definitely showed consumer data uh, that pricing is becoming really important for people. So the share of consumers in the medical markets are claiming that the lowest prices is a top driver of stores. Um, and that's definitely an indication that people don't want to give up their vice, but at the same time, when gas is so insane and food prices are so high that people are being impacted by inflationary pressures and are trying to um, continue with, with their cannabis options at the cheapest point possible.
So that's it. We think at least six states are going to legalize at the end of the year. Some of those are going to be good to do business in. Some are going to be really, really terrible. And then some people will get investment capital based on where they're at and others will be shunned for that. But what we should see is artificially high prices in any new rollout, no matter what. Uh, expect some uh, adjustments for minor cannabinoids like CBG, CBN. Um, and expect um, you know fluctuations in pricing as people come in and uh, try to start up new markets in, in all of those states. You're going to have to come back to the Talking Hedge and find out what happens. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 99.9% .9 of our DNA is identical. It's a 0.1% that truly makes us different and unique. And that's what the show is about. Find out that 0.1% about your favorite guests. Find out what music they like their first cannabis experience, and even what their room looked like growing up. But more importantly, or as important, their journey. Learn what makes them unique on Everything is Personal.